friends, and welcome to this episode of Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. A podcast about Final Fantasy XIV, to be specific. Yes, in case you didn't know where you were. In case you wandered in are. here accidentally. <laughs> Hello, is this the podcast? I'm Jen, and I am joined by my co-host and researcher... I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Today, we are starting our trip through Gridania. Yay! I love Gridania. It's so pretty. I know those of us, or some of us in the room, don't enjoy it as much as I do. As we spoiler last time, I don't love Gridania. And I'll tell you, as I was doing research for this, it makes me even more sad because it seems like the Gridania of 1.0 was a lot more hardcore than the current version. How much hardcore are we talking? Well, stay tuned for this episode and we'll find out. We'll find out. So, Gordania, of course, is one of the three city-states that a new character can begin the game in. The Archer, Lancer, and Conjurer classes will all start here. Is that it? Yes, that's three classes. Is it three per Reaper City? Always? Limsa gets two since you can't start as Rogue. But otherwise, yes. Limsa only has two, Marauder and Arcanist? Arcanist. Huh. Okay, I don't know. For some reason, that seemed like not a lot to me. There are more than twice as many jobs now than there were at the start of the game. That's probably why the math is being weird in my brain. Anyway, Gridania is a forest city. It is nestled deep within the Black Shroud, also known as the Twelves Wood. The Twelves Wood. This is your archetypal... Let's call it old growth forest. It's full of massive trees, a storied history, mysterious corners, big creatures, the works. Lots of old buildings. If a temperate forest has it, they've got it here. <laughs> Gridania, for all your forest needs. Gridania is the classic forest city like you see in fiction. It's enmeshed within the forest. There's greenery everywhere. The paths are green. You've got streams running through it. Trees growing up amongst all the buildings. The buildings themselves, even though they are made from timber, still look like they're very much part of the forest. Everything is overgrown and covered in moist green and flowers and dappled sunlight and all the little sounds of the forest. This is a bit too fey for my taste. <laughs> if you combine all the twinkling lights and the, the duty fantasy forest music... <laughs> As just like a a little minion onomatopoeia walking around sound? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, doo-dee-doo-dee-doo-dee-doo-dee-doo. Is that what you were trying to go for? No, the the music in this place, it is your... your it's like twinkling. It's your trite little horns attuding, strings of plucking fantasy <laughs> forest music. I'm going to hard disagree with you. I don't know. Maybe it's it's just so genre perfect. It's so generic, it rolls off the mind. <laughs> Fair. Predictably, the themes in the city are very much about being one with nature. Even the crafting and gathering quests are all about harvesting sustainably and making sure you don't overhunt, keeping in balance, not offending the forest spirits, also known as the elementals. I really like that, actually, when doing the, the carpenter and leatherworker quests. I thought... That was a really great way of um, 
I don't know, relieving you of guilt because sometimes you feel a little guilty. Go out and kill a bunch of antelopes and bring back their pelts and make some boots. And But no, 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 but this is all in balance. Like, this is for the greater, I don't know. It feels like there are elements here to make Gordania a cooler place than it is. But unfortunately, the actual unique part that sets it aside from some one with forest city, the elementals, has been downplayed severely in A Realm Reborn and onward. Yeah, there's very little relation back to elementals as some sort of force in any capacity. Well, I've got a lot about them today, but we'll save that for our history segment. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyway, back to the trades, though. Um, As you might expect... The, the city's main industries are all forestry, like carpentry, and farming, hunting, and leatherworking. No surprise there. And to triple down on it, the city's patron deity is Nufika. Yes, I've been pronouncing it Nufika. I had never heard it said, probably. Got one <laughs> on like, Jin at oh, last. So embarrassing. <laughs> The goddess of soils, harvests, and abundance. Just a cornucopia of deity. Of nature shit. Mm -hmm. There is a reason besides tropes for this balance with nature that's enmeshed within the city's culture. It's all driven by the city's relationship with the elementals, which are the actual primordial spirits called the elementals. This is integral to understanding Gordania because everything is tied up in these entities. However, the game being Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn 2.0 does a terrible fucking job of actually explaining to you what the fuck these are (laughs) and why they matter. The the biggest tie-in for them is the Conjurer class quest, which is still far too little. And if you're an outsider, such as from Ulda or Limsa Lamensa, good fucking luck understanding what the fuck's going on here, what the problem is with this whole city, because they will never, ever explain what they are. They just reference the elementals constantly when you're hanging out in the Gridania phases of the story. Right. Um, yeah. And even the, the Conjurer quests are really vague. Like, you don't even get a, an idea of, like, how many there are. Like, I assume... You work specifically with, like, a couple of them. They're referenced directly, like earth, water, air. So we are here to pull the pieces together from the disparate parts of the internet to actually understand what these things are, because I had no idea what the fuck the first time I played through the game, and it sucks. It it would be nice to feel a stronger connection to these things that can uh, control the ebb and flow of everything, all life in the area. We're going to find out today why Gordania has a leafy stick up its ass oh, about the elementals. Oh my goodness. Okay, the bias is really coming through here. As mentioned, Gordanians are elemental this and elementals that every time you talk to them. This is because they are essential to the founding of the, the city itself. They predate human contact, human being 
all, all the races that look like um, humanoid. Yeah, you know, this like, is like a, a you know a Genesis story level of deity. The elementals are powerful spirits that are aspected towards one of these six elements, being air, lightning, fire, etc. We talked about the elements themselves in the Thaumaturgy episode. But point being, though, is they are creatures of pure or near pure earth or whatever. And, and they are bound up in the Twelve's Wood directly. Back in the Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 days, the Elementals actually had a physical presence in the world. You could actually go up and see them. They were present in cutscenes. They were entities that had an effect on the world, and you could understand what their deal was. Were these, were these like anthropomorphized in any way? They look like little alien fairies. Oh. It's the closest descriptor to them, but their shape is not like your little butterfly wings fairy that you see in... Everywhere. <laughs> Popular culture. Yes. Okay. It is said that they were greatly weakened during the Calamity, which is why we never see them now. They kind of took a back seat. Interesting. We know that 1.0 was a big disappointment. It was a bit of a trash fire, which is why they, they burned it down completely and remade A Realm Reborn 2.0. However, they still carried forward several elements of 1.0, but they don't ever explain them in 2.0. So this is another case, I think one of the worst ones of the game trying to have his cake and eat it too, with regard to sweeping 1.0 under the rug, but making these things critical to the story of 2.0. So the, the elementals now are an extreme case of tell, don't show. We don't really know what they are or why they exist, as in we don't know how to classify them. Are they, are they primals? Are they like the 12? Probably not either, exactly. but we don't know for sure. It's not super relevant. It's the same thing as just like like a mountain. is there because it's there. It was Maybe it was made. Maybe it came into being spontaneously. We don't know. That's not really important. They're just enduring presences in the world as we know it. And they have been there since time immemorial. And right, its inhabitants are beholden to their whims. Right. But they are essentially synonymous with the Black Shroud itself because they are tied up in this area and they seem to care deeply about its well being. We can maybe infer that their livelihood is tied to that of the forest, which is why there is so much combination of the need to be mindful of the elementals and to care for the forest itself we don't know why they are so tied to it but it seems like it's some sort of lifelink deal or something there are some theories about their origin in some much later content which will be a long way away from this <laughs> but um we'll cross that bridge when we come to it anyway the fairy-like appearance of these creatures is probably not a coincidence because they are very much like the, the fey creatures in real-world mythology, where they have these kind of arbitrary, abstract motivations, but if you piss them off, then you're fucked, pretty much. You and everyone else around you. Oh, they're spiteful, vindictive little jerks. Yes. I was <laughs> going to say they are fickle and tempestuous, <laughs> but that's and not capricious. wrong. <laughs> Capriciousness seems to be a bit more positive than we've seen from these things. Right, if I'm being if I'm being diplomatic. If you piss them off, though, everyone is going to pay for it. Not just the, the criminals. They are going to get pissed and they're going to take out their ire on anyone close to them. In the 1.0 days, they literally unmade Gurdanians in retaliation from the Empire bombing the forest. 
which was, I believe, the tactic at the time was to turn the forest against itself, turn the elementals against the caretakers of the forest. Wow. These beings are ever distrusting of humanity. There have been records in Eorzean history of other cultures respecting them and steering clear of them. A big notable example is Amnipur, which halted its expansion towards the Black Shroud out of respect and fear for these creatures. When you say creatures, you mean elementals? Yes. Uh, yeah, it just seems weird to say creatures instead of like spirits. Sure. Yeah, like they're not corporeal. But it, it's in the same way that the the fire sprites and wind sprites are semi corporeal too. They, right. You can interact with them if you want to. They can interact with you. Right. I guess it just it's hard for me to visualize the elementals as creatures when you've never seen them. That seems like a debate for the halls of Charlayan. <laughs> there we go. They they are or they seem to be alive in some sense, but not mortal in the ways we understand that the common being to be. Anyway, before they were weakened by the most recent calamity, newcomers to Gurdania had to be cleansed of their sins in order to be accepted into the Twelve's Wood by the Elementals. Anything that displeased them would accrue a concept known as Wood Sin, which was like your, your nature karma, essentially, to put it in overly simplistic terms. And if you have enough Wood Sin built up by yourself or by just the people in the Black Shred in general, you awaken the Green Wrath, which is pretty much the elementals being pissed at everyone and anyone. And it sucks to be anywhere in the Black Shroud at that point. Hmm. I was going to say there's there's a little fickleness there, but um, I guess it depends on how much Woodson is a lot. Is it a couple centuries worth? or We aren't privy to their internal accounting. Exactly. We don't have their ledgers. They got to open the books. That's. I think that's where the fickleness comes in. Is you don't know the score. The fickleness comes in because they will fuck anyone up, no matter who's at fault. Just uh, indiscriminate. Yes. Which is not really something you want in a you know kind of all powerful or mostly powerful being. They are gods of the locality, but also you can do things like to appease them as well. Where if you enact certain rituals or do dances or whatever, you can absolve yourself of this wood sin. I'd call it a ritual placation of them and prostration of yourself. To... Awesome. Yeah, super, super good. There's an incident, though, in Gradania's history where a number of its citizens sacrificed themselves to the elementals to save the wood itself from the green wrath. Wow. So that's the elementals. It's still very vague, but it gives you an idea as to what their motivations may be, and why the Gordadians care about them and care about their their mood so much. And why this whole culture is built up around making sure that you don't piss them off. Yeah, they're, they're held hostage a little bit. They're there okay. by choice. We have people in the real world who live by dangerous shit all the time, and you just work with it. If land is scarce, and it is scarce, as we'll see in the history segment in just a minute, you've got to find the best you can and if there's a volcano or tornadoes or ancient beings with <laughs> obscure motives you just learn to deal with it and go about your life all right yeah so now for gradania back in the sixth astral era those ever expansive cures were doing their thing and they were growing and multiplying 
and taking new <laughs> land like they do. It's the fantasy human trope. Young we upstarts. are the virus. We are the virus. They're just going beyond their boundaries. And in this case, they butt up against some Elizen territory. The Elizens, unable to resist the expanse of the Hures, they retreat into the Black Shroud, which is the nearest available real estate to them. This pissed off the elementals who dwell within the Shroud, and the elementals began to... Revolt? Not really a revolt if you're in control. More smite indifferently. <laughs> okay. They, they turn the sh- wood against them. The beasts rise up. I'm sure they disintegrate and so on. You yeah, know, it's, the it, elemental. No, it's definitely a smiting. Yeah. Yeah, these intruders. So the Elzen, not able to go back where they came from because you got them hearers there. And this obviously is not a workable situation. They retreat underground to caves beneath the Black Shroud, which goes on for a bit. Until, not too long afterwards, those hearers are back at it again. And they're like, hey, look at these caves. And in they go and run up against the Elizen once more. Goddamn colonialists. Yep. Backs against the wall, probably literally in this case, the now underground dwelling Elizen fight back. There are decades of war between these groups. Until eventually they strike up a peace and they collectively found the underground city of Galmora. Oh, Galmora. Yeah. This is not the Galamora episode, though, so we're going to glance past that. Suffice to say, it's a massive underground city that is likened to an ant hill with twisting tunnels and underground structures. I'm sure it was fantastic in its day. Mm, are we ever able to see that? Not yet, but I would not count it out. That would be amazing. Yep. Anyway, this works for a time until upstairs, back in the Black Shroud, For unknown reasons, the elementals expel the um, Ixal from the forest. Ooh, God, what did they do? That's a a demotion and a half? Yeah, we don't know why they were kicked out, at least not right now in the story. Ixal, they're hard to describe. They're kind of like dinosaur, skinny dinosaur bird creatures. It's it's like if you removed the feathers from a parrot and gave them, like, arms. At this point in time, they have feathers. Oh. Yeah. Wow. These creatures, the horned, skinny, feathered parrots, are, are driven <laughs> out of the forest because they did something probably to piss off the elementals. We don't know what yet. With these beastmen expelled, it's free real estate. So <laughs> the Gilmorans are looking upstairs and seeing all this vacated territory and going, hmm, I kind of want some of that mm, good stuff. Some of that good stuff. Yeah. Like, what is good stuff? A parcel of land. A boulder. A, a verdant forest. <laughs> Are you trying to do the what is best in life bit, Jen? No, no, no. Gosh, no. Okay. So to facilitate this, magic using Gelmorans attempt to commune with the elementals. Eventually, a pact is formed with them. The Gelmorans would be allowed into the shroud if they defend the forest. To seal the deal, a glowing light is bestowed upon one of the mages named John Lightheart. I'm assuming he was named that after the right. bestowing of this John, light. John uh, Normal Heart became John Lightheart. Yep, exactly. This is the start of this oddity amongst Gradanians that continues to this day. John would have a child who was born with little lumps on his head that went on to become horns. This is the first Pajal, the intermediaries between humanity and the elementals. To this day, 
a rare child is born with horns and will become a pajal. Is this explained in the game? What you're just saying about the the origin of pajals? I don't think so. Okay, because this is fascinating. I'm, I'm I, finally, you know, you just you have to take for granted in this game that there are these, like, you know, a, a handful of pajals in game, and you don't know why they're there, where they come from. You just have to take for granted. Where they go? <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe. God damn it. We we do know from the game itself that they are tied to this pact between the elementals and the Gridanians. It's just here, actually, not Elizin, I think, that have this oddity. But anyway, um, I don't think they ever tell us a story, but we're here, me and you, Jen, because the game does not do the best job sometimes of giving you all the facts. So the Pajals, they commune with the elementals on behalf of Gridania, and they become elevated to be the leaders of the city. They also gain magical abilities, or the Pajals have great magical abilities compared to the common person, and they never grow old. This is talked about like a blessing, but it's honestly kind of a curse as well. These children, one, they're taken away from their parents. You know, as soon as you got like a little nubby child, it's like, nope, you're not your parents' child anymore. Your property's of the state. Nubby child. Yeah, the, the little forehead nubbies. Now I got it. Okay, good. Want to be clear here. These children are nationalized by Gridania, and they are forced to become part leader, part public servant, part kind of prophet and mystic. Also, their aging stops somewhere in the early teen, preteen range, which seems like a nightmare to be stuck like that for centuries. Nobody around you can respect you fully because you look like a you look like a tween. That that one with the the bowl cut. The bowl cut doesn't help, dude. <laughs> Why do they let him walk around like that? He looks like a snotty eight-year-old. I hate his face. They're not cursed to bad hair forever. Yeah, Eternal no, youth, yeah, he's, yes. he has full control over his hairstyle. And he chooses not to, and the people around him choose not to tell him. Everybody's an asshole. It's an emperor's new clothes situation. Oh, God. He just he has the most punchable face. <laughs> you can't see his face. It's... Because it's covered in hair. That... Yes. <laughs> we don't know the first Pajal's birth name, but he renames himself I Ohok Pota from the, the sounds that he hears when the elementals commune with him ethereally. But I, I imagine it's kind of similar to like Shadow of the Colossus, where you might want to give it a listen, or maybe we can steal some audio. Um it, it the the game itself has these creatures talking to you in subtitles but it's just like droning booming yeah. tones yeah. that come at you that's a great analogy thank you so these people they can um prophesize future events mostly nature related such as weather and blights joran's whole family takes the surname Pota in honor of this individual, their their child that is elevated into a uh, Pajal. Important to note, though, that the Pajal are not immortal. They are just forever young. Pota lived for 272 years before he died of apparent natural causes. So there is an expiration date on this. Okay. Just stays fresh till the end, though. That's, uh, you, you had... Every opportunity in the world to not make it gross. Just talking about keeping it fresh, Jen. (laughs) 
That's their lifespan is actually lower than I thought it was. I I, I assumed like five six hundred years. That's one data point. I don't have everyone's lifespan, so Still, maybe he's young for their like, kind. But at two seventy. 272 years old, if you die of natural causes, that essentially means that your body is just, you know, so old, it's just done. Um, I wouldn't consider that, like, middle-aged then. In real life, yes, but in this world, it could be his either is spent or uh, who knows what, what the an fuck. excuse. Uh, we, we don't... <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fair, but still, it's a cop-out. You're a cop-out. Good one. <laughs> Moving on. Gordania is founded... And the Pajals ensure peace is kept between Gridania and the Elementals, and everyone's happy, until the Ixal, who were evicted some time ago, decide they like the forest more than their current digs, which are the barren and hostile frozen Abalathia's spine mountains. Ah, yeah. That always seemed like a weird choice for them. It's not a choice. They were forced there. (laughs) There's little in the way of available real estate. Everywhere that is habitable is probably claimed by the hearers they gotta stick to what they can get Hmm. i'm surprised they didn't develop coats they didn't develop coats but they did lose their feathers this is when they (laughs) mutate into the more scaly reptilian looking ixal we see now after they moved to abalathia's spine yes that makes no sense i guess yeah you would think like they'd look more like penguins i (laughs) If they evolved to suit their chosen environment. I don't think this is evolution. I think it's more <laughs> like a degeneration of them. No, no, no. That Yes, that's much faster in the timeline we're talking about. But when I said coats before, I meant like they made, you know, like jackets. Not like a fur coat or a feather coat. Well, they, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> you find them very scantily clad in the snow-covered mountains. Anyway, they're they're sick of the shit. They're sick of not having feathers and the the barren, cold, and resource lacking Appalachia <laughs> Such spine. Such a funny thing to imagine. We're sick of not having feathers. We're cold. <laughs> so they launch an attack on the Black Shroud, trying to get back in. And in response, the Gridanian army, known as the Wood Whalers at this time, drives off the Ixel, but at great cost. After this, the God's Quiver is founded, which is an elite force that is responsible for keeping outsiders out of the Black Shroud. So God's Quiver, what differentiates them from the Wood Whalers? Back then, the um, the Wood Whalers are like the standing forces. Army, militia, whatever. It's the force in Gridania. The God's Quiver are supposed to be elite forces, not the rank and file. I see. Today, though, the Wood Whalers are the guards like the yellow jackets are in limsa lamensa right yeah and we have the twin adders is the actual standing forces for military conflicts right the last bit of history here which is kind of like a, a trivia bit but becomes very important later on in two expansions the forest is threatened by alamigo which is the kingdom to the east of um of the twelves wood Gridania beseeches the other city-states for aid, so Ishgard, Uldah, and Limsa Lamensa all rally to this cause to defend Gridania and the Black Shroud from the Alamegan expansion. They're wary of the Alamegan king Manfred's expansionist tendencies and want to put a stop to it here and now. So the combined forces are victorious, and it proves to the world that Gridania will defend the Black Shroud. They are here to stay. <laughs> you know they are defenders of the wood 
Also, this creates a lot of bad blood between the Gordanians and the Alamegans, which will pay off in the future. Ah, okay. So we are now in the present. The Twelveswood is again threatened, this time by the Garlean Empire. And that brings us on now to our new adventurers. Ta-da! Who is your character this time? <laughs> right, right, right. The critical bits of information. I've made a Lollafell for the first time in my life. And she's really cute. Her name is Otis Old Thing. Um, Otis Old Thing. And she is a archer. Nice. I think so. Thank you. And who are you? I have made an Elizin Lancer. Unexpected. Thank you, I think. Yeah. His name is Shu, Shuket. Well, he sounds fun. Thank you. <laughs> He's a hot bitter dough. Gross. Weird. Why is he a biscuit? Not a biscuit, a shoe. <laughs> okay. I'm in. Finally, tough crowd over here. Let's get to it. We start off with the classic here feel think cutscene. And we wake up from this dream, but not quite a dream, in another chocobo-drawn cart. The man that wakes us up looks very much like the other two men who have woken us up on carts or ships. This one is named... Brummond? Brimmond. Rolls off the tongue. Brummond. Um, this is actually very similar to the old da approach in the cart. I think the conversation as well, like, what made you decide to be an adventurer? That's the classic. I would disagree, though. It feels like old da for five seconds. You wake up in this chocobo-drawn cart. You got the Ellis and twins across from you, looking pretty bored, as usual. Aloof. However, you start hearing these horn sounds immediately. Oh, well, Yes. This <laughs> this is very much unlike the other two scenarios. But yeah, you just you just hear a bunch of trumpets and you turn around and there's a couple of moogles floating in front of you out of nowhere, which is incredible. That was unexpected. Yeah. For me. And you have a little conversation with the uh, with the moogles. They're they're surprised that you can see them. It's weird. Either this is unique to the Black Shad Moogles or they walk this back later. Because no one has issues seeing the Moogles we see later on. Yeah, literally nobody can't see a Moogle. So it might be an, a trait of these forest Moogles. I, I don't recall. I, I'm pretty sure it'll explain it. Yeah, I just, that was also a surprise. I'm like, that, I don't think that's true. I think, I think everybody can see you all the time. Well, it's uh. true right now because one of them is talking to us, asking us if we've seen any odd goings on, even though we just got here. And we tell the Moogle this, and they're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Meanwhile, Moogle number two is drinking from this bottle of booze that Bremen has. Oh, it was Bremen's. He just floats right on up there and chugs his wine. No one's the wiser but us. <laughs> we have a horrified look on our face. <laughs> and then they leave. We don't know nothing. They're like, oh, well, too bad, I guess. And they, they head off. Bremen, who cannot see them, he tries to take a swig from his bottle, and it is empty. Oh, 
okay. I didn't even pick up on that. I feel like he could have totally just not noticed what that one was doing. And then when he went to go get his wine, he, yeah. That'd be some impressive tunnel vision. So you have this big, poofy creature. Not impossible. One but... foot from his face, chugging his booze. Well, if you've seen them before, he's just going to... So he, maybe he's not surprised by their presence, but the fact that one drink gets wine... I'm pretty sure they're not lying in that we can only we can see them in this scenario. We will see how they reconcile this with the future Moogles, but I, I yeah. don't think that they are lying about this trait. Okay. No, no, no. It's not like... I, think that they're lying i think maybe it was just like a game somebody forgot that they did that or said that <laughs> tbd so bremen realizes his wine is empty and he is sad also what did you put as your reason for adventuring fortune glory power i always do glory because the other two feel like an ass move yes uh i chose fortune this time power seems the dickish a of them little, all a little sociopathic yeah yeah um fortune i think is um little um little ass holier than glory for sure but i felt for some reason that was appropriate for otis sure that's fine i would i would condemn the power choice most of all you gotta keep an eye on that person yep (laughs) so we encounter a a a scuffle between the ixel and uh, a group of wood whalers um, outside of the city we get carted into the midst of this skirmish between Ixal and the Wood Whalers. An arrow thunks into the cart, inches away from Bremond. Almost killed him. Yeah. That would have sucked. It would have sucked. <laughs> Rip one brother. Yeah. The Wood Whalers yelled at us to get the fuck out of there, and we do. The cart zooms off. They're left behind to deal with this Ixal attack. So we. This is where we walk out of the cart, and we get the nice title, title card for the game. And we walk into the city. Um, and it's very wooded. It's not like a big grand entrance with stone walls and metal gates. Um, it's a beautiful little wooden arch. And it's just a grassy path that you walk up. And a wood whaler immediately calls out to you. Hey, you, new guy. We meet our Weston, <laughs> but in Cardania. And he tells us to go to the um, uh, the Carline Canopy to meet with... Mother Mune. Is that how you pronounce her name? I'm going to say yes. You're the expert, Jen. That's a lot of pressure, man. Mother Mune is a sharp-looking Elizin. I like her little filigree neck thingy. I'm always distracted by her birth... Or her birthmark. Her beauty mark. You do not see the leaf. Um, I, I've probably seen it so much. It's just... It doesn't stick out to me anymore. I don't know. When are you hanging out with Miu and besides right now? I, do. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't notice your necklace. Okay. I'm sorry. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, again, she, she instill, instills in us um, the importance of representing ourselves and our nation state um, or our city state of Gradenia well in our endeavors going forward. We're outsiders right now, though. The people in the game, don't let us forget it. If you decide to do the side quests here, they are pretty mediocre as far as quality goes. But the undertone is that we don't trust you. You're an outsider. Prove yourself to us. Oh, but the the seeds here says that we need to be welcoming of newcomers now. So I guess we'll play along. Yeah, they're a little xenophobic. That first wood wheeler that that gets you right as you're walking into the city is is very much 
I got my fucking eye on you, man. Um, so they put the fear of Novika on you. Mother Mewn is, a, she presents that in a more gentle way, in a supportive way. Um, she is a mother after all. To join the Adventurers Guild, she would have you do three things. First, we need to sign our name. Not Easy. one of your joke names, your real name. <laughs> no icy wiener like, bullshit. Uh... <laughs> wow, yeah. So this is, we're breaking the fourth wall here. So we put our name down and she's like, really? Are you sure this isn't a joke name? I don't know. It can be both. It might be. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's my real joke name. <laughs> you got a problem? So names in the book. Remember. That done. We are getting settled in when a gang of whalers comes in to give us the treatment. Oh, they walk by snickering with their, their little masks and their little bows and arrows. Um, and they're very rude. Like, oh, look at this. One of those, you know, adventurers, as if it's a four-letter word. Fresh off the cart. <sighs> yes, you are absolutely right, gentlemen. Move along. Which they is kind of what Mother Mune does to them. <laughs> but they're watching you, Jen. Okay, fine. See you later. It's worth noting that the, the masks, the wood whalers all wear these carved wooden masks with dark eye splotches on them, eye, eye circles. Eye covers. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's said that they wear them to signify that they will do anything to protect the forest and its inhabitants, even if it incurs the wrath of the elementals. So we can maybe um, deduct that they wear the masks to hide their identity from those whose wrath they may incur. Yeah, that seems thematically appropriate. Or at least a, a somewhat valid uh, justification for the costume. Sure. Moving on. Rock and roll. So at last, it is time for us to get our three introductory tasks for walking around town as a new representative of the Adventurers Guild. So uh, one of the tasks is to go see Parsimontre at the uh, the markets. We've got to do our little uh, spiel about how to buy and sell things. Then we are tasked with visiting the Archers Guild to register ourselves there. What's the other thing? Oh, the Etherite. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Attuned to the Etherite. These are, are at this point in time not at all noteworthy. As is on brand, the the market walkthrough person is a fucking asshole. Yeah. I don't know what it is about these people, but they all... I'm so busy. Too busy to give you three lines saying, yep, here's the market. Yeah. You want armor over there? If you want sundries over there. Are we done? All I right, guess. Fuck off. But that's it. It's your normal welcome Same to town. stuff. Yep. Yep. With that done, we're on to actual work. We are off to help at the Bannock which is the Wood Whaler's training ground, and we'll call it here today. Yep. This feels on the short side, but I guess after that Marathon Rogue episode, we earned we could, it. We all could use a little reprieve, yeah. It was a long-ass episode. Also, I, I gotta say, Grudania, its history is pretty fucking boring. <laughs> it's like... We got some cave people. We moved in, and then some stuff happened, and now here we are. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of bloodshed i feel it was just kind of like an encroachment and then some people were like we're not down with the encroachment and so we're gonna unencroach i don't know it's 
It gets washed out through the lens of history, but both conflicts mentioned the Ixal and the Alamegan ones were very bloody. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, it's like a fight happened and then they won and then history moves on. It doesn't feel like there's as much drama as there were in the other cities' histories, which is what I'm lacking here. There's not striving powers or reform or just maneuvering throughout history. There were a couple of fights and welcome to the present. After that, they became really insular. So there isn't going to be, it doesn't seem like the people around them want to get involved in anything with the Black Shroud because of its reputation. It's it's so strongly defended and it's li- like literally kind of like there be dragons. And then it just makes the people who live within the Black Shroud much more isolated um, and, you know, building on that xenophobia. Well, next time we'll be talking about the Conjurer class. That'll do it for this episode. If you want to get in touch, you can reach us at PodReturn on Twitter or at PodReturnFFXIV at gmail.com. And hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next time.